emotions and science are on equal playing field. And in fact, right, if you ever think about which one's going to win, it's not what the three of us do every day. Um, even though the science is good, and even though we've been very intentional about having outcome-oriented um, type programs and type research, emotions still win. Um, and the space can be extreme. Um, it can be very polarizing. Um, and, and listening becomes some of the most important um, aspects in the sustainability space. Welcome to MeetsPad, a platform dedicated to sharing breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the meats industry. On each episode, we will hear from meat specialists and professionals to talk about numerous topics in meat science. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation, FiscoFan is a global leader and innovative partner in the food industry who provides solutions for the casing market. IFA, slaughter and meat processing tools. Hello, my folks. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Today, we continue our, our short series um, speaking with meat industry leaders. And now we have the privilege and the honor to introduce a very, very knowledgeable person in the meat industry. Uh, she's, uh, I was looking at her, uh, CV and, and she was a case state some time, uh, ago that I would like to visit about that experience down the road. Dr. Bass, how are you today? Excited as usual, Francisco. And yeah, we have a great guest with us, um, bigger than just the meat industry, the animal agriculture industry really. Um, and, uh, a, a, a voice for animal agriculture. Um, that's one of my evil missions in life is to tell the great story that animal agriculture has to tell to the world. And so with us today, uh, Dr. Kim Stackhouse Lawson, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for maybe a couple months. And I, I think uh, this is this is it was overdue uh, talking about animal agriculture. So maybe there's a lot of stuff that, that we need to condense and a lot of information out there. Uh, but could you please tell us, uh, first of all, what's your role right now at Agnext, uh, at Colorado State University? Yeah, thank you. So I'm, I'm the director of Agnext and a professor of animal sciences at Colorado State University. And Agnext is a new initiative at CSU that sits between the College of Ag and the College of Vet Med and Biomedical Sciences. Um, for the academics on the phone, it is a provost initiative, which in the time of COVID is, is impressive. It will be added to the base budget. And um, we are a group that focuses on developing sustainable solutions for animal agriculture uh, production. So the most exciting thing about Agnext is that we will be adding um, a 12, 12 people in a cluster hire. Um, and so these individuals will extend um, across the university, but all 12 will be focused on different elements of sustainability. So in the past year, we've been predominantly focused on establishing our vision and mission statement. And our vision is um, a, a bit different than what you might expect from a typical sustainability focused academic center. So our vision is that animal agriculture is a sustainable component of our global food system by providing economic, social, and environmental benefits to Colorado, the nation, and the world. So what sets us apart is that we believe that animal agriculture is sustainable today. And our mission is really what defines us, right? And um, there, there's some stand-apart things in the mission as well. 
And our mission is to identify and scale innovation that fosters the health of animals and ecosystems to promote profitable industries that support vibrant communities. So different than traditional sustainability centers, we are a forward-focused group. Um, so typically in sustainability, um, academics look backwards into time and sort of say, how we did, you know, what did we do 30 years ago and how has that changed sustainability outcomes? So what we wanted to do was develop a team that looked forward, that was really around, um, it was really focused around scaling innovation and looking towards those solutions. Another thing that's different is the call out to profitability and to our rural communities. So what we heard from our industry stakeholder partners is that they couldn't just be economically sustainable, that they really needed to be profitable and that we um, in, in academic institutions could help um, in the sustainability space, kind of scale that innovation to deliver that profitability and stronger rural communities. Um, so one of the things that's different about Agnext is that we are informed by an industry innovation working group. And we have 12 people who come from industry who um, really inspire, um, have inspired who, who we are, but also set up a continuous dialogue for us. So it, it truly is engaged scholar, um, engaged teaching and, and engagement kind of through and through, right? So we hear from our industry partners. Um, our intent is to generate research um, in a co-developed co fashion with them and then have that continuous dialogue that really helps to inform um, the sustainability space. So I think that's really what unique is unique about Agnext is that it is it's really intended to serve as a catalyst between academic research and industry innovation um, focused in the specific area of sustainability, which is of course very very broad, right? Mm -hmm. And needs to be flexible um, to meet the needs of our industry partners. Because even in the last 15 years that I've been involved in sustainability, right, it, it absolutely started as a climate change um, kind of issue. It evolved through that. We focused for a long time on improvement of efficiency and yield. Um, we've touched on antibiotic resistance. We've looked at social equity issues, you know, in, in the overall sustainability space. We're back at climate change, um, but it is a really um, interesting and kind of flexible space. It's not as defined as a lot of areas um, in academia. So that's sort of uh, what we're doing at CSU and, and we're really excited um, to be here and to, to build the team. You know, you've you hit on so many amazing points and you're it sounds like the mission is exactly what what sustainability really should be. It's it's environmental, which is which is what so many sustainability missions focus on. But it has to be a balance between that social sustainability and then fiscal sustainability and and not just break even, but profitable if you want to continue to improve on a process, on a mission, on an objective, um, you have to be able to grow. And that's what profitability um, helps to allow is to expand one's resources if there's a, a good thing going. And you mentioned also that, um, you know, animal agriculture, huh, man, we've been addressing sustainability concerns for, well, I mean, if you really want to get down to it, you know, colonial times, but in more modern times, you've absolutely hit on the fact that uh, improvements in, in livestock growth, improvements in, in, um, in not just 
uh, growth promoting technologies, but antibiotic use and and genetics across the board is is has has helped make these animals far more efficient and effective. And and without you know, I get really excited about all these topics. Um, maybe can you just provide um, a, an example of ideas that are being shared right now by Agnext or ways that uh, we uh, the meat science community can share the good news of animal agriculture to the world? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And you brought up a number of things, right, which is that we've been working on this um, in animal agriculture for a really long time. The challenge in the sustainability space is that um, the expectations are constantly evolving. And the reason for that constant evolution um, is that this space, um, emotions and science are on equal playing field. And in fact, right, if you ever think about which one's going to win, it's not what the three of us do every day. Um, even though the science is good, and even though we've been very intentional about having outcome-oriented um, type programs and type research, emotions still win. Um, and the space can be extreme. Um, it can be very polarizing. Um, and, and listening becomes some of the most important um, aspects in the sustainability space. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Since 1883, Ultrasource has been a trusted supplier to the food industry. Ultrasource provides superior kill floor, processing, packaging, and labeling equipment and operational supplies. Because as there's, there's a significant gap, right? There's a, there's a significant gap in, in the research, um, especially related to livestock's contribution to climate change and where companies are being expected to go. Right. So if you think about most of the major meat companies today have set net zero targets. Right. And yet none of them have tangible action plans um, for how to get there. Right. And that's that's not a bad thing. That's not a knock on those companies. That is the pressure that they're feeling from external partners, whether it's board members or customers or consumers or financial partners. All of this is is um, um, coming right right to them. And yet our ability to deliver to them an action plan to get to net zero, it, does, it doesn't exist today, right? Like there, there's just such a significant gap. Um, so what, what can we do? We can focus on filling the gap. We, from a research perspective, right? We can focus, and I'm very passionate about this, your, your point around um, economic, social, and environmental, we have to keep this balanced. It cannot become a one-issue myopic topic because as soon as it comes myopic and one-issued, we create unintended consequences. So um, water is a really good example. Um, you know, if you think about water use in a meat plant, um, certainly we want to reduce our water footprint from a meat processing standpoint. It's expensive um, and we're running out of it. However, what's the unintended consequence of reducing water in a meat plant, right? There's some food safety challenges. What can we never compromise? We can never compromise food safety, right? So, so and, and that's one example for our meatpacking partners. Those sorts of examples of systems and unintended consequences 
extend everywhere, right? Like they extend all the way down the supply chain. So for example, if you reduce methane um, in an animal, you may increase hydrogen and lose performance, right? From, from just the animal's strict biology. And we see that. We see pollution swamping or, um, you know, performance for, for reduction in environmental impact swapping all the time. So our job um, as meat industry professionals and as scientists more broadly is to keep this to keep it balanced, to be very honest with ourselves that improvements need to be made, right? That's the that's the listening point and, and the innovation point. And then to make sure we're not solving one problem and creating four more, right? We, we need to be um, practical in our approach, intentional, right? Um, in the science that we're delivering and, and the, um, the projects that we're really looking at. I have a... I think you mentioned water, and I think that's so important right now. And I have a very good example. Um, and and maybe this is going to be off the topic, but this is a real, a real life situation right now in Mexico, especially in my hometown in Monterey. So it's been one month that um, there's no water, uh, in, especially in that in that in my hometown Monterey. Uh, but it's been three weeks that people only get water from 5 a.m. in the morning to 10 a.m. So that's uh, about 2 million people, the population of, of, of Monterey, Mexico. And it's challenging for the, for those, for the meat industry in there because uh, I've, been, I've been hearing folks and concerns about, okay, if we were some time, I mean, in the near future, that this is just only a region problem, but if it becomes more like a national issue, I mean, you need water for everything. You need water for sanitation. Water is so important, not only for the meat industry, just to, for for daily uh, things that we have to do. So I think we, we can maybe just touch on that because I, I'm, I've been hearing concerns about uh, people, especially in the mid industry, okay, we need meat, but if you can maybe extrapolate and hypothetically think what happens if this becomes a country problem where we need water to process beef. I mean, for all the food industry, but in, in, in our concern for the meat industry, what would happen or, I think it's it just reminds me of okay this is this is an issue and maybe it can it can occur in I mean down the road maybe it's not it's not a long term maybe it can happen next year so I don't know that's a, a real situation right now but you can you can look it in the news my parents so it, it's just a whole thing like when they get home there's no water so because the the government have decided to to uh, to do that to get more all the I mean even those folks that have a, a well, there's there's no water in the well, so it's a it's a, a situation that it's going it's ongoing right now. So, yeah. So I mean, water is a basic need, and I am so sorry that your family is experiencing this. That's um, sad and terrifying, and um, yeah, you know, I think. We don't we don't talk about water um, as much as we do climate change, for example, and yet it, it is um, that resource is directly related to that climate resilience piece. Right. So as we begin to see the climate more radically change, um, water becomes even more more finite. And 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 our models models, not my models, you know, um, weather expert models suggest this. And so, you know, a, a, a intentional and true focus on. Um, water use efficiency is going to be critical and it's going to be critical in our homes, um, in meat plants, 
in farming communities, right? And, and some of that is going to have to be us saying, there's a better way to do this from a policy perspective. Um, I'll give you an example. We're, we're doing, um, we're adding on to our home. We have, um, this personally, my home, we have two children and my home is um, 1200 square feet. So there's four of us, it's, 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 uh, it's small, but we're not doing a huge addition. Um, and, but we're, we are adding a bathroom. So there's an opportunity to redo um, some of our, um, a bathroom and moving the washer and dryer. So we actually have an opportunity to take the gray water from our washing machine and put it into a tank. And then we don't live in near any navigable water. We live in Colorado. It's the arid West, you know, and to water our trees. We've planted a number of trees for wind breaks and variety of things on our, on our very small, um, little 30 acres. I had to go to the County to ask them for a different kind of permit, even though there's no navigable water, it's never gonna to touch anything, right? But my husband and I feel strongly that water is really important. And this is such a tiny thing, right? In comparison to Monterey or in comparison to a meat plant. But those are the kinds of things we are going to have to think about. How do we do a better job cleaning water? How do we do a better job pulling soap out of water? How do we do a better job recycling water in our meat facilities and still getting the food safety opportunities that we need there? How do we do a better job in our farming communities? Um, how do we incentivize um, more efficient irrigation systems, right? And, and is that something that from a policy perspective, we should really think about potentially subsidizing? You know, I think this, this challenge around water, um, it is the most basic need, right? It, it is. It is what we all need. And, and we're gonna really have to start thinking about that. And I, I really hope that, um, I don't think it will, it will enter the sustainability space, right? And every time it does, something like this does, it gets very emotional and it can get very polarizing, but I hope water, um, I hope water stays out of some of that. And I hope it just becomes something that we, we all are committed uh, to doing a better job with, no matter you know, any political view, because it is, it's going to become very challenging. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's all about it, it. We're all in this together. We have a, we all have a common interest in this and in that we want, we want clean water. We want safe air. We want good ground to continue to grow our crops and, and food and everything. And so, um, and that's that emotional connection that I, I know I've, I've had the opportunity to, have, to undergo media training in the past. And you gotta, you gotta come back to what is the common ground that we can all communicate on and 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 nobody out there no farmer or rancher wants to abuse the land that provides their life their livelihood right and so that's kind of part of the the discussion that we continue to have with uh those who are not in animal agriculture and uh you know we applaud the work that you guys are doing there what for the listeners out there um how can they learn more about ag next um yeah. and and the goals you guys are undergoing yeah, so we um we're we're still a very small team. So there's a there's a big team coming right in the 12 person cluster hire, and we hope to have five of those hires um, completed by the first of the year. So so they're coming very soon. Right now, um, I'm the predominant scientific um, lead here. I have a postdoc, Logan Thompson, who's actually for a, for a little call out to K State. He's headed to K State to be an assistant professor there. Um, so we're going to lose him in a month, and then um, we have a manager of communications, um, Jen Reescamp. But our website's the best 
best way to reach out to us. If you have any other questions though, we do have, um, we're doing a better job on social media. So that's the other thing I would say we do, um, you know, when we're thinking about these 12 um, person faculty hires, our intention is to keep this um, uh, multidisciplinary to include our PR professionals, um, because um, like your podcast, I really think that, you know, as, as scientists, we need to do a better job. We can't just publish in journals. We have to communicate um, this differently. We have to think outside of the box. And so um, we have a team that will be doing more of that, but we are on um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and um, Twitter. So please, I had to look to her for help. <laughs> please, um, please um, do um, follow us on those and then check out our website. And if you um, want to email too, there's an email um, that comes directly to She and Mine's inbox um, through the website. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you a lot. Um, I appreciate you joining us today. And I think your profile is unique because you, you understand the industry side, because I know you have experience working in the, in the industry. And then now, uh, maybe I can say lobbying, but you understand what we need, what the industry needs. And, and then you can be also on the, on the academia side, working towards this issue uh, and not, not just water, but everything that we talked today. Um, um, I value a lot of what you do. Uh, I admire your work. Uh, keep up. Um, thank you. Thank you a lot for, for all your support. And thank you for, for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you. And likewise, really appreciate all you guys do. And thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks a lot. All right.